This is Trey Johnson, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to this teaching. I pray that it empowers you, encourages you, and motivates you to know God and to be who He's created you to be. Well, if you came last time, uh, we, we talked about the importance of our approach to God. And are we going to approach God like an amateur, or are we going to approach God like a professional? And are we going to pray like an amateur, or are we going to pray like a professional? Are we going to give like an amateur, or are we going to give like a professional? How is our approach, even tonight, are we coming here expecting like an amateur, or are we expecting like a professional? And, and I just want to quickly summarize a teaching I, I did last week, and uh, it'll be on the show. And, but it was just talking about the importance of sharpening our swords. Because the day and age in which we live in, it's very important that you and I, we have sharp swords. And so let's go to Ephesians chapter 6 is where we're going to start. Ephesians 6, 17, and this should be on your, your notes there. I'm going to just quickly summarize and then we'll get right into what the Lord has for tonight. But it says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, when he refers to this word sword, in this day and age and in this time, there were several different swords that they used. And so one of the swords was a, a really broad-headed sword, and on one side of it, it was sharp. And this sword was so big, it would take two hands for them to be able to use the sword and so they used this up until a time, and then there's a second type of sword. The Carthaginians came and defeated them with these shorter swords. And these shorter swords, they were about two and a half inches uh, wide, about 17 inches long. They were a lot easier to use. And, and, and another sword was one they would stick underneath their coat. And it was for up close and personal combat, and it was like a, a short dagger. And then there was another type of sword that they used, and it was like a lance for jousting, for fencing. But when Paul uses this word sword here, he was talking about the fifth kind of sword, and it comes from a Greek word that paints a picture of a sword that is razor sharp down both sides. It's about 19 inches long, and at the end of this sword, the tip is tipped up, and it was for up close and personal combat, and when they would stick it in the enemy, they would grab both hands and twist it, and then they would pull it out, leaving the enemy's insides on the ground. Now, I want you to picture what Paul is doing here. He had, he, he had wrote most of the, the New Testament tied to a Roman soldier. And as he's tied to a Roman soldier who's dressed from the top of his head to the soles of his feet day and night, the Spirit of God begins to reveal to him, as he looks at their natural armor, what we have in the spiritual. And he goes through and he talks about the belt of truth and the, 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 the shoes of peace and the breastplate of righteousness and the shield of faith. But when he gets to this word... The sword of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit starts talking to him about this sword that was designed to bring damage to the enemy. And he wants you and I to know that his word, the word of God, the word of God, here's the Greek word rhema. It's not talking about just the spoken word of God or the written word of God. It's talking about the quickened word of God. It's talking about a word that God has spoken. And I want you to think with me. He's talking about a word that is undeniable that it's God. 
He's talking about a word that God has spoken specifically to your inner man or a scripture that has come to life, or maybe it's a vision, or maybe it's a dream, but you know that it's undeniable, it's unmistakable, it's unquestionable that it's God. It is the voice of God speaking directly to you, and Paul is telling you and I, take the sword of the Spirit, this double-edged sword with the tip tilted up, it's designed for you to deal with whatever situation you're facing, leaving the enemy damaged and you victorious. This quickened word, this unmistakable word, this undeniable word, I want you to think as I'm talking tonight, God's going to reveal and he's going to bring up words that he's spoken to you. Maybe you as even a young child and you didn't even know at the time it was the voice of God, but as you've grown and as you've matured, you realize that was God speaking to me at a young age. It's a quickened word, an undeniable word, an unquestionable word. And God is saying, I need you to sharpen your sword to do what you're called and created to do. It's not a time when you and I can play church. It's not a time that we can just go through the motions. It is time for us to sharpen our sword. Say, sharpen my sword. So when we're saying sharpen your sword, he's saying sharpen. Go back and pick up those words that God has spoken to you that maybe you let them down or maybe you let the sides get dull. In Revelations chapter 1, verse 16, Revelations 2, verse 12, John on the Isle of Patmos, this, by the Spirit of God, he's having the revelation that Jesus is revealing to him about the conditions of the church. And he says, and when Jesus speaks, out of his mouth comes a two-edged sword. Now in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, he says, the word that God speaks to us is quick and powerful and alive and sharper than any two-edged sword. So whenever he uses the word two-edged, in the Greek it's the word two-mouthed. I want you to picture this with me. Whenever God speaks a word to you and I, it sharpens one side of the sword. And His word is designed to do a work on the inside of us, cutting out things that are not of Him. Cutting out wrong motives, cutting out ill ill intent, cutting out things, wrong desires, cutting out addiction, whatever it is, His Word is sharpened when it comes from God to us, and as it does its work, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. When you speak, it gives the other side of the sword the second blade. So when God speaks to you, it's just sharp on one side. Whenever it comes out of your mouth, you're His extension on earth for His will to be done on earth, just like it is in heaven. You give the razor sharpness to the other side of the sword. So for you to win, you can't just win with one side of the sword being sharp. We have to have both sides being sharp. And the way that we sharpen the sword is by meditating the word, thinking the word, talking the word until it becomes our word, till we realize this is God speaking to me. And when we open our mouth, it is sharp on both sides, sticking it right into the enemy, twisting it and leaving the enemy defeated on the ground. God is saying, sharpen your sword with whatever you're called to do, sharpen your sword. The dreams that you have, sharpen your sword. That rhema word, the quickened word, the undeniable word, that dream, that vision, that passion, what God has put you on this earth to do, he's saying sharpen the sword. Let God keep speaking because it's sharp coming to you, but then once it gets so strong in you and you open your mouth, you give it the razor edge on the other side, bringing the enemy to the ground. Sharpen your sword. Sharpen your sword. I encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit 
to recall. That's one of his jobs is to recall to us the things that come from the Father. Sharpen your sword. Say it to yourself. Sharpen my sword. Now, now look on your notes here in Romans chapter 12, verse 3. And tonight, we're going to talk about the second hearing. We're going we're to talk about what you hear after you hear matters. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. You see it here in your note as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. See, when you and I come into the kingdom of God, we call upon the name of Jesus. Every one of us are, is dealt a measure of faith. Say measure. And this paints the picture if we were to come to your house and there was a piece of pie and all the pieces are cut exactly the same size and we were de to de deal a measure of the pie, each one of us has the same measure. When we come into the family of God, we're all given the same measure of faith to start with. But then what we do with our faith isn't up to God, it's up to us. See, you and I, we're created in the God class. We're not created in the image of a monkey. We're not created in the image of any animal. We're created in the image and likeness of Almighty God. And we are designed by God to believe. Say believe. Think with me. We believe that this roof isn't going to cave in because we're designed to believe. We sit down on these chairs and we never even think about them not holding us up because we believe they'll hold us up. We drove here believing that we were going to be safe on the road. We are created by God to believe. You go out and you order a steak, you, you believe that it's not going to be squirrel or chimpanzee or whatever it is. You, why? Because you believe. Now, now what? Yeah, amen on that one. Now, what the enemy has done, he has taken our ability to believe and he has sowed seeds of doubt knowing that we are created to believe whatever seeds come into our heart. The seed of faith, the seed of God's word, when it comes into our heart, we are created to believe something we're going to believe. The enemy takes the seed of doubt, fear, unbelief, negativity, CNN, constant negative news. Whatever it is you're hearing is a seed and you are created to believe. And whatever you believe is going to determine how you live. Whatever we believe is going to determine where we spend destiny. Whatever we believe is determined by whatever seed comes into our life. Now, in Romans, Paul commends the church the, the Romans there to not only um, do they have the measure of faith, but he says we're supposed to live by faith. Say live by faith. Now you see Romans 16 verses uh, 1 verses 16 and 17. He says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. So he said when you come into the family of God, you're, you're born again, for by grace are we saved through faith. Remember that, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9? We're dealt the measure of faith. He says, now live by faith. He says, how do we live by faith? He says, well, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is the word of God. I'm not ashamed of the word of God. Pause. And as we read this, I want you to think, 
where are you at in this? When you, when you read the scripture, when I read the scripture, where am I at in my relationship with God? I'm not ashamed of the word of God. Pause. Am I ashamed of the word of God? Are you ashamed of the word of God? We can sit here in this environment and say, oh no, but true belief of the word of God is there's action that back up what you say you believe. He says, I'm not ashamed of the word of God, for the word of God is the power of God unto salvation. The word salvation doesn't mean just going to heaven. The word salvation means healing, provision, soundness, protection, deliverance. It says God's word is his power to those who are willing to believe it. Pause. How are you doing? Do I truly believe all of the word of God? Now, we have the opportunity to believe as much as we are willing to believe, right? We're going to, just like in anything, you're going to get out of it what you put into it. And Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. It is the power of God. If I want to see the power of God manifest in my life, then I've got to be in the process of receiving the word of God and acting upon what God is telling me to do. He says, it's going to release the power of God that's going to bring provision, protection, soundness, deliverance, everything that pertains unto life and godliness. He goes on to say now, he says, now now live by this faith. Live by this process that you started when you believed in your heart and you declared with your mouth, Keep living by that every day because you're created in the image and likeness of God and you're designed to believe. Say believe. He says, live this way. Then he goes on to say in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when we come into the family of God, we're given the measure of faith. He says, now live by faith. And he say, okay, how, how can I start increasing my faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing. As I read the word of God, all of you are hearing. That's the first hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. The Word of God is the Greek word rhema here. You hear God's Word, but the quickened Word, the same quickened Word that Paul was talking about in Ephesians, the quickened Word comes by what you hear second. You're going to hear one thing first. Maybe it's a doctor's report that you hear first. Maybe maybe it's a, a, a financial statement that isn't what you want it to be. You hear that first. Maybe it's a report that you hear on the news. You hear that first. Faith comes by hearing, but you choose what you continue to believe. Faith comes when when I'm speaking God's word on the blessing, when I'm speaking God's word on the healing, when I'm speaking God's word on whatever situation, faith is coming. Say, faith is coming. And faith is coming because you're hearing and hearing by the word of God and hearing by the word of God. The second hearing either takes you to your destiny or it holds you back from your destiny. Who you're hearing from either propels you forward or holds you back. You hear God's promise, but then do you keep hearing God's promise? Remember in Numbers 13 and 14, you have the 12 people, all of them heard, the tribes of Israel, they heard that God wanted them to go and possess the promised land. It was already there, say they heard. And then 12 were sent to spy out the land, but 10 came back, now they heard the first time, that's God's will. The 10 came back and said, yeah, but this is the second hearing. Okay, the the older generation are hearing. I want you to think about where are you hearing from? Because this generation, they were hearing from slavery. 
their perception. They were hearing from getting beat. They were hearing from a place of hurt. They were hearing from a place of amputation. They were hearing from a place of rape. They were hearing from a place of brutality. They were hearing from a place of there is no way. So God spoke and they heard the first time. The second hearing is what cost them their destiny because when the 10 came back and says, yeah, that is what God said, but the people are too big. The city is too big. It is too hard. We are not well able. The Bible says they gave an evil report. Their second hearing was an evil report and it talked them out of their destiny. Now the younger generation chose to believe what Joshua and Caleb said. So they heard God wants us to have the promised land. Their second hearing was what Joshua and Caleb said. We are well able to possess the land. We are well able to be who God has called and created us to be. So where are you hearing from? Am I hearing from a place? Because there's people watching. Maybe this is you. Am I hearing from a place of addiction? Am I hearing from a place of pornography? Am I hearing from a place of lack? Am I hearing from a place of religion? Because all of us have the same opportunity to come from where we're at and to go where God wants us to be, but it's not gonna be just determined by the first hearing, it's gonna be determined by the second hearing, the third hearing, and the fourth hearing. Are you willing to have faith come one time by hearing but then faith continued to come by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. The second hearing, the third hearing, the fourth hearing is very important to back up the first hearing. Once again, what we hear will either cause us to go in and possess the land or what we hear will cause us to die in the wilderness. But the choice is yours, the choice is mine. What are you gonna believe? Matthew chapter 14. This is the story, Matthew 14, 22 through 32. Remember whenever Jesus, he's ministering to the multitude and he tells the disciples to, he tells them to get in the boat and go to the other side. Jesus goes up to pray, spends time with the Father. And while he is praying, there's a storm that overtakes the disciples out in the middle, middle of the ocean here. And as they're, they're starting to hear the storm, now, now track with me here. They're starting to, to feel the wind. They're starting to feel the water hitting them up against the face. They're starting to, to hang on because the first thing that's talking to them is the problem. The first thing that's talking to them is the storm. The first thing that's talking to them is the circumstance. Maybe the first thing that's talking to you is the doctor's report. Maybe the first thing that's talking to you is what the world's saying. Maybe the first thing talking to you is the economy. But then Jesus showed up walking on the water. And even though the storm was talking to him, Peter said, Lord, if that's you, bid me to come. And what did Jesus say? Come. The second hearing was strong enough to cause him to get out of the boat to override the first thing that he heard. But then he didn't keep hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. And the first voice, the first sound became louder than the second hearing. He began to feel the waves again. He began to sense the water again. He began to pay attention to the waves again, the hurt again, the pain again, the problem again, the circumstance again, the impossibility again. Don't allow what you heard from in the natural be louder than what you hear from the spiritual. Faith comes by hearing. We're all hearing, 
And, and this morning I did a, a leadership teaching and I, I was just talking about uh, don't send your ducks to Eagle School. <laughs> and I was talking about out of all the years that I, I've been teaching uh, about God's Word, it, it's, it's, I, I've seen people like myself, people like Heather, people like you, that they hear the Word of God, they apply the Word of God, and their lives are changed forever. But then the same Word will go around, but only a handful take it and apply it and live it and do it, and God show up in their life, and it is mine just like, I don't get it. I just sometimes, I just, I love people so much. I want them to know God. I want them to be their best. I just, I just want them to get it. I want them to know the same God that I know, the same faithfulness that I know. But all of us are hearing. And I've got to ask myself, what am I doing with what I'm hearing? Faith comes by hearing. Don't stop there. And hearing, and hearing, and hearing, and hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Don't let the enemy talk you out of what God has promised you. The second hearing is more important, or it's just as important as the first hearing. Hear what God's promise is to you, but then keep hearing, and keep hearing, and keep hearing. Just like going back and picking up your sword and sharpening your sword is hearing what God spoke to you about your family. Hearing about what God spoke to you about your finances. Hearing what God spoke to you about your physical body. Hearing about what God spoke to you about your destiny and dream and purpose. Sharpen your sword. Keep hearing, keep hearing, keep hearing, keep hearing, keep hearing. Because faith just doesn't come and stay. God has designed faith to continue to move forward and to continue to take us where God has called and created us to be. How strong and how good is your second hearing? Have you laid your sword down? Have you laid the quickened word down? Have you laid the undeniable promise down? Have you laid what at one time it was, nobody could talk you out of it. But because it took too long and it took, it was harder than you thought and it cost more than you thought and it was more difficult than you thought, you laid your sword down and the Spirit of God is saying, sharpen your sword. Keep hearing, start hearing again what God has said to you. And it, the, the life will come back to it. The energy will come back to it. The passion will come back to it. The fire will come back to it. The hunger will come back to it because you're hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. Wherever you're at or whatever you're dealing with, I want to encourage you to have have a strong second hearing, a strong third hearing. Maybe it's a, a court case and you just think it's going in here and just one, we're going to have one hearing. No, no, no. You have the judge and there's multiple hearings until the case manifests in your favor. But you got to keep having hearing after hearing after hearing after hearing sometimes because you have an accuser of the brethren and he's going to bring up this account and this account and this account. And when he does, you say, nah, the blood of Jesus covers me and that's thrown out of the case. Case dismissed because I've been hearing to the point that I know who I am in him and what I have in him. We got to keep hearing. Got to keep hearing. Let's keep going. So you see... In, a, in Hebrews eleven six, without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, now when you come to God, maybe you're just spending time in the Word, your quiet time, maybe you're listening to teaching, driving down the road, maybe you're watching the show. When you come to God, can you be honest with yourself and truly say that when I come to God, I believe that He is? 
in here, not, not up here, not just running your mouth. He is my healer. He is my blesser. He is my protector. He's my guider. He's my deliverer. He is. He is. Say he is. See, a lot of times, I want you to think about this. This came up in my heart earlier. A lot of times when we come to God, we're the ones doing all the talking. But do we really realize it's not my words that are going to change God? It's His word that's going to change me. Not my words talking to Him that's going to change Him. It's His word talking to me that's going to change me. So when I come to God and I believe that He is healer, then I'm talking to Him about healing and it's His Word that changes me. When I come to Him and I believe that He is blesser and I'm on His Word and talking to His Word, reminding Him of His Word, then His Word is what changes me. Then I get to the point that I truly believe that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all I ask or think according to the power that works within me because I'm coming and I'm not thinking my words are going to change him and complain and gripe and moan and wah, wah, wah and poor is me and a victim mentality and oh my gosh, everybody's against me. But I, I pause and I realize it's His Word coming into my heart that changes me. It's His Word coming into my heart that, that brings faith. And I'm going to keep hearing it and hearing it and hearing it until it takes me from where I'm at to where God wants me to be. It's impossible to please God without faith. Go with me to John chapter 8, verses 30 through 32. And I'm going to read this out of the New King James Version. And it says, As he spoke these words, many believed in him. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, Pause, is that me? Not only are you a believer where you've called upon the name of Jesus, but are you continuing to believe what God's word says about your life and your situation? So Jesus is talking to the people who say that they believe. And he says, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. In the Amplified Translation, so Jesus said to those Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, hold fast to my teachings, and live in accordance with them, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. In the Message Translation, it says, when, you, when he put... It in these terms, many people decided to believe. Then Jesus turned to the Jews who had claimed to believe in him. And he says, if you stick with this, living out what I tell you, you are my disciples for sure. Then you will experience for yourself the truth and the truth will free you. If, if, if you stick with this. If you abide in my word, if you hold fast to my teachings, what was he saying? The King James, it says, if you continue, if you continue not only hearing one time, but you continue to hear about your dream, you continue to hear about your family, you continue to hear what God is saying. We need to continue. Just because we don't see it overnight doesn't mean the process has stopped. We must continue. There's power in continuing. There's power in continuing to renew our mind. There's power in continuing to declare God's word. There's power in continuing to praise and worship. There's power in continuing to forgive and love. There's power in continuing 
continuing. Continue becoming everything you're called and created to be. He says, when you continue in the truth, you're intimate. The word know is an intimate word. It says that truth that you're intimate with, the truth that you continue in, that's the truth that's going to make you free, set you free, keep you free. We must continue if we're going to fulfill what God has called and created us to be. Remember in, in Luke chapter 1, the angel shows up and, and she speaks to Mary about her giving birth to the Son of God, Jesus. And whenever he, God spoke, what happened? The seed was placed on the inside of her. This was the rhema word of God. It was undeniable that God was speaking to her. There was no mistake. It was God speaking to her. This was God's will for her. This is God's promise to her. But because she didn't see it overnight, she continued, say continued, she continued in the process and to the point that this rhema, this word from God, this quickening from God was so big when she walked into her cousin Elizabeth's house, the baby that she was pregnant with, John, leaped in her womb. And see, that's what happens when you and I continue to worship. We continue to praise. We continue to live out the word of God. When we continue, you get around other people because you're continuing on the quickened word of God. The rhema in you is going to quicken the rhema in them. The will of God in you, the dream in you, the inspiration in you, the passion is you, in you is going to quicken that in other people. They're going to start desiring the love that you have for God. They're going to start desiring the consistency you have to go after God. They see you continue and it gives birth to somebody else continuing. We must continue in hearing what God spoke to us. What has God spoke to everybody in this room and everybody watching? He wants us to continue. Say continue. Now, when, whenever, whenever God speaks, now, now track with me here. When, when God speaks to us, he doesn't speak to our head. He speaks to our spirit man. John chapter 4, verse 24, it says, Those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. When we fellowship with God, it comes from our spirit. Think with me. Stay with me here. Whatever dream, whatever vision, whatever promise, whatever word, it came to your spirit. And then from your spirit, it comes to your mind. It doesn't come to your mind and then your spirit. It comes to your spirit and then your mind. You have a desire to be, be a top roper. I'll, I'll just use the example. My, my three areas of influence and giftedness are ministry, leadership, and roping. And all these started with this whole process. Whatever dream, wherever you're called to. There's a desire that comes into your spirit and then it comes to your mind. Proverbs 16, verse 3, it says, Now when we commit our plans to the Lord, our mind, our thoughts will become agreeable to God's will. So the desire starts in the spirit, and then he speaks to the mind, and now the mind comes up with a plan to put in action because belief always demands action. James 2, 17 says, Faith without works is dead. So spirit, stay with me, mind, action. Spirit, mind, action action. God speaks to your spirit, a plan comes to your mind, and now you've got to act on it. You've got to continue in what God spoke to your spirit. You might have a word from God in your spirit. You come up with a plan, but if you don't continue, you'll never see the manifestation of the promise that God spoke to your spirit. Spirit, mind, action. Spirit, mind, action. Spirit, mind, 
action. Now continue. Continue whenever you don't see anything happening out here. Continue to hear and hear and hear because it strengthens your spirit, man. Just like a, a little baby, you feed the baby, the baby grows and grows and grows and grows and grows until it becomes an adult and has its own family. That dream in you, that seed in you that comes from God, you keep feeding it and 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 hearing and hearing and hearing and continuing and continuing and continuing and it goes from your spirit to your mind to action and you continue until you see the manifestation. Are you with me? We must keep continuing. Now go with me to Luke 17. Say continue. Luke chapter 17 verses 5 is where we're going to start. Luke 17, verse 5. And now what's happened here is Jesus is teaching on a fence. Not, not, not like he's on a fence, like with... He's talking a fence, offended, offended. Okay? And so he tells them, he says, Now, if, if somebody sins against you seven times, and seven times in the same day he asks you to forgive you and repent... He says, forgive him. Another place he says, if he, he does it seven times 70 in the same day. And so this is where the disciples are at. Notice what they said here in Luke chapter 7, verse 5. And the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. In other words, Lord, what you're asking us to do, I'm going to need some help here. So they say, increase my faith. Say, increase my faith. Verse 6, so the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. And which of you, having a servant plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and sit down to eat? But will he not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk, and afterward you will eat and drink? Does he thank the servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. So likewise, you, when you have done all those things which are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. Now, I want you to picture what's happening here. They said, Lord, increase my faith. Say, increase my faith. And when they asked the Lord to increase their faith, he starts talking to them about their faith working for them. See, our faith is designed to keep working even while we're sleeping. Our faith is designed to keep working during the corona. Our faith is designed to keep working that regardless of what goes on with politics. Our faith is designed to keep working, say keep working. When you ask God to increase your faith, remember He speaks to our spirit. And then a plan comes in our mind, and then there's action out here. Because true belief is displayed by action. Lord, increase my faith. What you're saying is you're saying, God, take this seed of faith that I have, this dream, this promise that I have, and help me bring it into an experience. Now notice he starts talking to the disciples about doing something that's impossible to them. When you ask God to increase your faith, it will always be a step for you to do something that you're not familiar with doing. I'm not saying you're not gifted to do it. I'm saying you're not familiar to do it. 
These are fishermen. Increase my faith. He says, okay, come tend sheep. They'd never tended sheep before. Lord, increase my faith. They were fishermen. Come plow the field. They'd never plowed before. But plowing was something impossible. Tending sheep was something impossible. They had never done what God was asking them to do. If you can do everything in your own power that you say God has created you to do, you're not walking in faith. So can you do everything in your own power that you say is your dream? If it's far beyond you, if it's bigger than you, if it takes more money than you have, if it's just impossible in the natural, that sounds like God to me. <laughs> but notice, increase my faith, okay, I'm going to lead you to do the impossible. Increase my faith, Lord, uh, you, you're going to be led into an area that's beyond where you're at right now. Faith always takes you beyond where you're at in your head. Remember, he communes with your spirit, the real you, your spirit man, and then the plan comes to your head. Okay, I'm going to need to work the plan. I'm going to need to stay in the process. I'm going to need to continue. Say continue. I'm going to need to continue until I see the manifestation. Remember the example of Mary? The seed was placed in her, and she had to continue until she saw the manifestation. You have a dream in you. You have a promise that God's given you. It's quickened. It's undeniable, unmistakable. You know that God has put you on the earth to do greater than what you're walking in right now. He's saying, okay, now continue to hear, continue to hear, continue to hear. And then when you open your mouth, it's going to be like a sharp two-mouthed sword coming out that's going to put it right in the enemy's gut and leave him on the ground defeated. But it's going to take you continuing. It's going to take you continuing to hear. See, God is, God is looking. 2 Chronicles 16, 9, he says, His eyes are looking over the whole earth, looking for someone who he can show himself strong on their behalf. He said, I'm looking for somebody that has the faith of Abraham to do the impossible. I mean, you think of all the people in the Bible who did impressive things. You go to, to Hebrews chapter 11 in the hall of faith. Most of them heard a word. And then they kept hearing and kept hearing and kept hearing and kept hearing until it was so strong on the inside of them that it went from their spirit to their mind to an action. You think of the people nowadays that are making a difference. They all started by just hearing and just taking a step with what they heard. They're hearing, they pick up their sword, and they use the sword that they have. I was praying a couple weeks ago, and it's like I saw into the spirit realm, like each and every one of us have an old, our own room with swords designed for each situation that we're going to face in life, and the Spirit of God hands us a sword that's razor sharp on both sides. The tip is tilted up, and it's designed for us to stick it right in the enemy's gut, twist it, and leave him defeated on the ground. But we've got to be willing to keep hearing. We've got to be willing to keep sharpening the sword and have a hand open, an ear to hear, a heart open for the Spirit of God to grab the sword, hand it to us, and us use it because when God created the sword, it was created for victory, not defeat. He says, keep hearing. Remember Abraham? I mean, you, you, you look at, uh, let, let, let's just track a few of them. People that have made a huge difference. Noah. 
Genesis chapter 6, Genesis chapter 7, he heard a word from God that changed his life, changed our life. It had never rained before and God starts talking to him that it's going to flood the earth and to build a boat. Why would he need to build a boat? Because it's never rained before. But Because he heard the word of God and he kept replaying it. He kept talking it. He kept thinking it. He held on to the word. It saved his family and our families. You take Abraham, Genesis chapter 3, or Genesis chapter 12, the whole process of the life of faith started with three verses. When God spoke a word to him, he was sharpening one side, leave your father, go to a place that I'll tell you of. He says, and in you all families of the earth are going to be blessed. And he began to walk and he began to move because of what he heard. You take Joseph, Genesis 36, he had two dreams that positioned him to save his family and to save the nation. It wasn't a long, drawn-out dream that was hard to follow. He heard, and the Spirit of God was, was waiting for him to move. He moved, got another word. He moved, got another word. Abraham started then, but then he continued. He continued to obey God. He continued to worship God. He continued to honor God. He continued to do what God told him to do back here. How are you continuing what God told you to do back here? Or have you laid it down? Have you put it on the shelf because faith is designed to have momentum. Faith is designed to go with the word that God told you to continue to move forward to affect people in your future. The word that God spoke to Abraham is still affecting you and I today. The God that, that, that spoke to Joseph is still affecting you and I today. What he told Noah is still affecting you and I today. The words that God has given you is designed to affect people generations beyond if the Lord doesn't come back. What God has spoken to you, His Word is eternal. His Word is incorruptible. His Word is designed to bring us victory. 1 John 5, 4, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. What are you hearing? Is the, the second thing that you're hearing about your promise, is it, is it life or death? Is it faith or fear? Is it positive or negative? What are you hearing? The second hearing must be strong. Say continue. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 4, and I'm getting ready to be done. You have other scriptures in your own time. But as well, on our way there, I want us to read Matthew 13, because when you're hearing the promise, you're hearing what God has for your life, listen to Matthew 13, verse 24 and 25. He says, another parable he set forth before them, saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed. Say good seed in his field, but while he was sleeping, the enemy came and sowed also darnel, weeds resembling wheat, the Amplified says, among the wheat and went on his way. So he says, there's one man that sows good seed in a good field, but while he was sleeping, an enemy, say enemy, came to sow a seed that looked like wheat, but it wasn't wheat, and the bad seed was gonna affect the harvest what is God saying? Don't let what others say sow a bad seed in your heart about your dream. Don't let what others say sow a bad seed about your promise. Don't let what the circumstances say affect what you're hearing the second time. Don't allow, don't get sleepy with your dream. Don't get lethargic with the promise. Don't back off in your relationship with God. You are a good field. God's word is the good seed. And you and I are designed to, to produce his will on earth as it is in heaven. But to produce the right harvest, we've got to have the right seed. But if we're sleeping and we just take any seed that we hear, it can affect the production of our life. 
Good seed. Say good seed. Hebrews 4, verse 2 and 3. For indeed we have the glad tidings, the gospel of God, proclaimed to us just as truly as they, the Israelites of old, did when the good news of deliverance from bondage came to them. Listen to this. But the message they heard did not benefit them because it was not mixed with faith. With the leaning of their entire personality on God and absolute trust and confidence in His power, wisdom, and goodness by those who heard it, neither were they united in faith with the ones Joshua and Caleb who heard and did believe. For we who have believed, adhered to, trusted in, relied on God, do enter that rest in accordance with His declaration that those who do not believe should not enter when He said... As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. And this he said, although, notice this, and this he said, although his works had been completed and prepared and waiting for all who would believe from the foundation of the world. His works are completed and they're finished and they're waiting for all who will believe. It says they heard the word of God. I want you to think about the messages that come from God's word that you've heard. It says the message they heard did not benefit them because they did not mix their faith with what they were hearing. He says, but to those who believe, the works are already completed, the works are already done, the promise is already done because of what Jesus did. It's sealed in the blood of Jesus. And he says to the person who believes, it's done. The person who believes, they'll eventually receive if they continue. It's already done. Your healing is already done, so believe it, receive it, and go forward with it. Your provision is already done, so believe it, receive it, let's go forward with it. Your dream, your destiny, it's already done. We've just got to walk it out. Remember, he speaks to your spirit, a plan comes to your mind, and you act it out in the natural. Spirit, mind, action. Spirit, mind, action. But now continue in order to see the manifestation of what came into your spirit and the plan that came into your mind line up with God and come into the the natural which it was birthed from the spiritual. Are you with me? He says, mix your faith with what you're hearing. When you sit down tonight in the morning when you spend time with God as you're driving home, as you're watching TV, whatever it is that you're doing to spend time with God, mix your faith with what you're hearing because you can hear all the best messages in the world but if you don't mix your faith with what you're hearing it won't benefit you i'm done with the word of god not benefiting us but i can only choose that for me and you can only choose that for you keep hearing hearing keep hearing and hearing and hearing go back and pick up what god has said to you let's keep being the difference makers we're called to be amen